Hey guys, welcome to Save the Girls Podcast. I'm your host, Jocelyn Haas, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Juliana. Our conversation is about her experience as a woman of color, and also we touch on toxic relationships and things of that matter. It's a very good conversation, and I'm excited for you guys to listen. Going to a mostly predominantly white high school, how did you feel like did you experience racism or did you just experience like being accepted but kids feeling more comfortable saying racist slurs around you or how was that experience um i would i think that's that's kind of how it was like i remember when i was in middle school like this was even before high school um there was this group of girls that used to always hang out together mm-hmm. and they were having a conversation like one day saying how all black people smell and like how they're dirty and like whatnot. Wow. And one of them felt comfortable enough to come up to me and be like, even though you're black, like you don't stink, blah, blah, blah. Like, so there's just like this comfortability with me. And then also in those spaces too, like being the only person of color, people like feel comfortable coming to you with things like that and like which is really odd I don't know why how did you deal with those situations like did you confront them did you feel comfortable confronting them or did you always kind of just have to ignore it and did it almost make you insecure about yourself or like confused in that way like how should I act or like you know what I mean yeah I think it makes you very insecure or like hyper aware like in those situations like oh like for a black person you are this or for a black person you are that Mm -hmm. um it makes you insecure and you you subconsciously and consciously start to separate yourself from your blackness Mm -hmm. so in a lot of kids you'll see like straightening their hair Mm -hmm. and just trying to like um assimilate almost yeah so i think it kind of just contributes to a lot of self-hatred that you have to take a lot of time on learning as you get older yeah, and that's sad because, like, I feel like even me and you, for how long we've been friends, we've never really talked about that. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I've never heard your perspective on it, so I'm really just interested in how did you get out of that and how did you kind of, like, just start accepting both sides of yourself and coming into your blackness more as you got older. Right. Um, I feel like it definitely is something that as you get more comfortable in your skin as you do like as you get older it kind of naturally happens and then it also really helps being surrounded by other people of color yeah um i think it was especially difficult in middle school and high school just because like like you said like it's mostly white and x y and z and so that's your environment so often and you're just kind of consuming so much anti-blackness yeah that it's kind of hard to on a daily just continue to fight it but I feel like as you get older, like, as you graduate or, you know what I mean, have more space to kind of craft what you're around, you don't have to be around people that make you feel that way as much. Right, you have more of a choice. Exactly, exactly. And then in your family, too, did you ever experience racism? I mean, like, there's things before I was born that kind of played in. Um, I know a lot of, or some people on my mom's side of the family, my white side of my family, um, were very against my dad Mm. because he's black. Wow. Um, so they had some racism that they were dealing with because of that. Yeah. Um, 
but thankfully like a lot of that stuff I didn't see it's more so stuff that like my dad had to be the brunt of yeah um and now so it's more yeah there's not as much that I have to do it's just more like yeah they're accepting if anything it's more like explaining that I have to do with them Mm, okay so like to make them more aware make them more aware make them understand more yeah um but yeah, because on my mom's side of the family, we're not very close with a lot of them. Because yeah. I do think there are a lot of, like, Trump-supporting, mm. like, subliminal racist people on that yeah. side. But I'm not around them because they're all, like, in the random boondocks, like, right. up North Wisconsin. Yeah. So, so that's not something I have to deal with as often. It's more like my close-knit family, and I, I feel like they're better than that. Yeah, so I used to, I don't work there anymore, but I used to work in this ICU, and um, I definitely saw that. Um, One of my coworkers and I used to always talk about it, like, if there was ever, like, a brown person or, like, a black person, they didn't get the same level of treatment. Like, they weren't valued as much, like, their pain wasn't taken as seriously. Um, I remember there was this one time we had this one patient, and... uh, this patient was complaining a lot, kind of a little bit more of a needy person. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's only so much I could do because I wasn't a nurse. I was yeah. just an aide. Mm-hmm. So they needed something from their nurse. And I went to go tell their nurse, who was this white woman. And she was just like, I don't really like her. Like, I'm not going in that room. Are you serious? Yeah, she was like, do what you got to do right now, but I don't really, like, like her. I'm not going in her room right now. Wow. And she's, like, not doing anything important at the moment. Wow. So, just stuff like that, just not being prioritized, like, you know, because you'll see some some people go above and beyond for patients, which yeah. everyone should get, but right. I feel like it's less common with the patients of color. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. And there's, like, really sad stories, too, where, like, women of color will literally lose their babies because doctors weren't listening to them and the pain that they were having or wouldn't yep. see them because they thought that they were lying or whatever mm-hmm. their reasoning was. Exactly. That's insane. There's this, like, cr- crazy statistic right now where, like, if black women have black doctors, their babies have, like, certain percentage more likely chance of surviving. Wow. Which is really telling, and it's, like, a, a huge thing that needs to be changed like there needs yeah. to be more people of color in the medical field right. so that everyone's protected but but yeah it's really sad it's not right um so then kind of moving on I always like to touch on how women experience relationships and how they're treated in relationships because I think it is like a really big problem among us being abused and mentally and physically in relationships and so if you feel comfortable, would you just touch on some experiences you've had personally with um, abuse within relationships and your experience with that? Yeah, I feel like that's that's important. It's kind of sad how like most women have that same experience, mm-hmm. like the I've been abused this way, like, whether it's, like, verbally, sexually, like, physically, um, it's such a common experience. Yeah. But I've dealt with a lot of, like, verbal and mental abuse. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like even being mentally abused and verbally abused, um, it's almost more hurtful because there's nothing to show for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
and sometimes people don't even believe you to the extent that it's going like exactly. oh it's not that big of a deal or it's so much easier to cover up but it's still mm-hmm. just as dangerous mm-hmm. as like physical abuse because of the mental health factors that can play into that right yeah I think that the biggest impact that it's had on me is like my relationship with myself and my intuition mm-hmm. um that was the one of the biggest things coming out of this relationship that I had last year was I had just such a distrust in like how I felt in my intuition because yeah. throughout the relationship I was constantly being gaslit or like told that what I felt was wrong yeah so then I just stopped believing how I felt and believed whatever this person was telling me right like you so. were never validated and your emotions were never exactly valid to exactly them. Like, I just felt like what I was feeling was always, like, wrong or, like, mm-hmm. it wasn't what was really happening or, like, I was imagining it, you know? Like, yeah. it just kind of, it's a little bit maddening. Um, so, I feel like it's been, last year, I dedicated a lot of time to, like, redeveloping my strength and my intuition. But, yeah, still here and there, like, I just have these falling outs where I just don't believe myself yeah or like it and yeah it makes you almost like insecure and double question yourself exactly um how was the healing process and like what are some things that you did to help you heal from it or feel better from that yeah I think for well the first thing was getting rid of him Uh (laughs) yeah right (laughs) step one was kind of getting rid of the problem Mm -hmm. but after that I started therapy last year um, so just having someone to bring, like, like a professional to bring that to, yeah. to talk to. Um, so I went to therapy. That's when I started therapy. Um, I did more readings. Like, I started reading more memoirs last year. Um, I made, like, this rule of only reading memoirs by women. <laughs> so just hearing, like, strong women in their stories, like, kind of redeveloped my own voice. Right. Because it um, almost makes you believe that what happened actually happened because sometimes I find myself doing that where I'm like was it really that big of a deal or was it something that I just over exaggerated exactly over exaggerating that's exactly what it is yeah you just feel like the extent of what you feel isn't valid yeah so like the problem wasn't really as big as it was exactly even though you know that it was but you still have that second like questioning yourself exactly that's crazy yeah therapy helped me a lot too but I feel like in a weird way, after a while of being in therapy, it's like you almost know what your therapist is going to say and it's yep. helping so much. Yeah. And that's kind of the space I'm in now where it's just like, okay, I've been in therapy for like four years. Like, right. I need to find a different way to help myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and journaling is a huge thing that helps yes. me. Yes. Like, yes, that yes. helps me so much. It's just actually like validating my own feelings, hearing what I have to say. Because I've noticed sometimes therapists pick and choose what they want to, like, exactly, work on. And exactly. it's like, okay, that's a problem in itself. Like, exactly. I feel like this is a big issue, but my therapist sometimes doesn't acknowledge it that way. Exactly. So, but initially, I really think that therapy helps. Mm-hmm. So, how long did you stay in that relationship? And then, how did you start feeling more confident to finally, like, let it go? Because I know it could be so hard to let relationships like that mm-hmm. actually go. Mm-hmm. I feel like it takes a lot of time in yeah. abusive relationships. Like, a couple tries, mm-hmm. trial and errors to get comfortable just with the thought of leaving. But I was with them for maybe, I think it was two or three years. Honestly, the last year of us being together, I broke up with them at least, like, five, seven yeah. times. Uh-huh. Um, each time, like... 
they would do something and I'd be like, I can't handle this anymore. And then I would be wooed back and just, right. you know, I wouldn't be mentally prepared enough to like leave them. Cause after breakups, you kind of have to go through that like painful process. Yeah. Like you have so. to accept it. And with abusive relationships, not only do you have to get over like the actual relationship itself, but you have to get over the abuse too. Mm. So it's like even more scary and painful yeah. to leave. So yeah, so it took me a while to leave, but honestly, like two weeks after I left, I was feeling incredible. You feel better. I was. It's like great. a weight lifted. Mm-hmm. Seriously, mm-hmm. it's really hard to miss someone that's was so painful for you. Constantly, you know? like all your conversations at that point are just like toxic, or them exactly. telling you something that you're doing wrong. Exactly. Or how you can improve, and it's exactly. like not in a constructive way either. It's like literally to hurt you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of spitefulness at the end. Relationship, how was your dating and like, did it affect the way that you trust people? Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, I'm a little bit more weary of people's intentions with mm-hmm. me. Um, I'm a little bit more, I kind of look for pieces that could be red flags very yeah. early on. Or like same pattern Patterns, types. exactly, yeah. exactly. That's same with me too. Like I feel like I'm so much slower to trust people, mm-hmm. and it takes me a long time. And even still, like even though it's been so many years, I still find myself questioning like, are your intentions pure? Are you mm-hmm. eventually gonna like turn crazy? Exactly. And like you know, I don't know. You're kind of looking for that turning point because honestly, even the abusive relationships they start off kind of like fun and yeah, they beautiful. seem perfect. They seem perfect. So you're just kind of waiting for that turning point. I feel like, in a sense, it's made me want to date more casually, like, right after. Mm -hmm. It was like I didn't want any commitment. I didn't want to really, like, actually date anybody. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to go on dates and, like, date casually. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to commit. Yeah, because, like, I feel like um, I felt the same way. I feel like it's because when I commit, like, I commit hard, and I'm, like, Mm -hmm. thinking about marriage. Same. Like, one weekend, (laughs) I'm like, all right, when are the kids Right. I'm like, we could have a vacation house here one day. (laughs) So I'm weary to commit because, like, I know how far I'll go. So I just, it takes me a a lot longer to get to that point to be like, oh, like, you are actually, like, the person for me. Right. But, yeah, I think that I definitely have more, I have trust issues for sure, but I'm very mindful of them. Yeah. Um, And I'm very aware of, like, how they feel in my body. So... Mm -hmm. If they get triggered, like, for example, like, say you do something that just feels familiar, like, like, maybe they're lying to me, or, like, maybe they're not being 100% honest about how they feel about this other person, you know, Mm. I get very aware of how I'm feeling, and I kind of just slow down. Yeah. To allow myself to feel that kind of insecurity coming up, or that, like, pain, and just make sure that I'm not projecting onto them in the situation almost like you're validating yourself exactly which is amazing I feel like I still struggle with that too like being really in touch with my intuition I'm not there yet it's hard yeah it's really hard I feel like to have a good relationship with your intuition you have to believe it every single time yeah right because the second that you stop believing it it gets quieter yeah it gets quieter and quieter but how do you feel like you got more in touch with it like just by simply listening to any feeling you have Mm -hmm. okay I think that the best way is to listen to your feelings and then also understanding what your feelings feel like Mm -hmm. um so a good way to like get more in touch with your feelings is like 
mindfulness like just like feeling it journaling is good yeah. like when you're feeling a strong emotion or any emotion just dissecting it and seeing what that emotion feels like in words mm. so then with better relationships with your emotions i feel like your intuition becomes better in a yeah way. that's but. good because i feel like even though i journal sometimes i don't actually focus on how i'm necessarily feeling it's more just like the situation yeah itself. or like daily like yeah. today i woke up and i had a shower <laughs> like you know what i mean like it's never really going deeper uh-huh. um which i really want to try trauma journals which i know you've tried do you yeah. like them i do like them i think that they scared me a lot at first because you're like forced to work exactly <laughs> it's like a whole prompt kind of just telling you like or mapping you out a way to work through something yeah so and since it's so voluntary like it's not like therapy where you have a set appointment it's very voluntary like whenever you have time you just kind of pick it up and oh it. yeah it kind of you have makes to be you disciplined yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely more disciplined it's nice because it's more it's easier for me to be vulnerable by myself like, yeah I still find that in therapy like I almost try to be perfect for my therapist right like I don't want her to know that like the deep deepest part yeah like really bad things yeah. that you feel like you're going through yeah like i give her some stuff that we gotta work on but i feel like i don't give her the real <laughs> stuff right <laughs> here's something that sounds good to right <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like that it helps me when i'm by myself to work through the harder things yeah the things that i'm not ready to bring to someone else I was dating someone else for a while after the abusive relationship, and I dated them on and off kind of for like a year. Yeah. Um. So now I've been single for about like four months. Okay. Yeah. How was dating? Was it healthy? A healthier relationship? Do you feel? Yes, like yeah. a million percent. I think it was really nice. Like I feel like this this person was brought into my life to kind of like remind me that like there is such thing as like people people that don't want to hurt you Mm. you know um I feel like his intentions were a lot more pure like a lot of things that I like deeply lacked yeah in my abusive relationship were so present in that relationship wow really nice it was healthier there was like certain points um that I feel like my insecurities came up. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I was almost the one that had issues at that point. Yeah. Because I also didn't give myself enough time to, like, start talking to someone else. But it also them. gives you an opportunity to be like, okay, like, these are areas that I still need to work on. Exactly. And it helps you in that way still. Because I, th- exactly. I think I deal with that too. Like, when you finally date a good person and that's good for you, it uh-huh. does show the bad things. Because in bad relationships, you look great. Right. Like, you look like you don't have to work on anything. Right. Because so you're then, so focused on the other person's issues. Yeah, and they're like, their issues are so prevalent that right. they're like little whispers. Like, they're not even... And then when you're in with somebody who actually is, like, good for you and helps you, mm-hmm. yours becomes so much louder. Exactly. Exactly. And my, my issues got really loud <laughs> at one point. Yeah. But this person was a lot better at communication, which mm-hmm. I didn't have in the other relationship. And I feel like good communication, honestly, just, like, make or breaks yes. relationship. And not only communication, but, like, just, like understanding and having empathy you know right um so yeah I feel like that relationship was really good um it ended a little funky but not like in a in a way where there's any malice like an extremely bad yeah way. and that's also nice too because it showed me that like 
you know, just because, like, something's good, they still might not be the person for right. you. So. So then your time, like, being single, do you feel like it's helped you grow a lot, too, and, like, know what you actually want in a relationship or, like figuring that out like what a healthy relationship looks like for you yeah definitely definitely and I think it's important too for like your like standard to be single if Mm -hmm. that makes sense like so you are always comfortable coming back to it yeah I think a lot of people are so uncomfortable being single that they stay in situations that are like things that probably aren't the best for them because you know like finding happiness in something other than just a person exactly that's really important exactly did you find any like hobbies or like anything to fill your free time with yeah i like to paint yeah yeah and being in school i mean i'm sure that takes up so much time i don't like that taking up my time (laughs) but like fun things i like to paint i really like cooking yeah yeah cooking's pretty good mostly just because i like to eat and i found is filling your time with like hobbies and exactly like things that actually bring you joy exactly it's kind of fun just experimenting with it too because i feel like something like especially growing up i i just didn't really know what i liked yeah. for so long isn't that crazy yeah i feel like i literally spent my whole life ignoring myself exactly like seriously exactly. <laughs> like until i got older i was like what the hell do i like no literally like, you know i always hated those questions like what's your favorite thing to do or like what's your favorite this or that and i used to never know yeah right but but yeah, I think just having like honestly, I like blank space too a lot more, mm. where I have nothing to do. Yeah, that's kind of my favorite. Like quiet time. Mm-hmm. So Vibing. what? Also, I wanted to touch on before we end, what inspired you to go to school to be a doctor, and also being a woman of color, like in going to school for that. What was your experience? Right. Um. I think that it the whole wanting to be a doctor or work in the healthcare field started when I was younger and used to always like um, take vacations as a family to Jamaica Mm -hmm. and uh, it's a very poor country like it's full of culture and like love and everything like that but it definitely like is in poverty yeah um and just kind of like being there um I've always felt like the basic thing that you can offer someone is like their health and wellness Mm. So I really started to value that in yeah. that because, um, yeah, like, that's your basic necessities on, like, right. that hierarchy. And everybody whatever. deserves that. Everyone deserves it. Everyone yeah. deserves it. So that's kind of what fueled it. And then um, as you get older, they, like, start asking you, like, what do you want to do? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But I've always wanted to help people in a way that I felt comfortable. Yeah. And um, I felt like it was right for me yeah. in that way. I like working with people one-on-one. Yeah. I like feeling like I'm making an impact on people. Mm. So, but, but yeah, it's been interesting. Um, I've always said that, like, my job's in the, well, my job now is pretty nice, but jobs in the hospital are kind of hard because, like, you don't often work with people of color, which is also very draining. It's kind of like going back to high school where it's just, like, surrounded by... There's just a lot of work that needs to be done within yeah. the healthcare field. You I mean, think. especially in the Midwest, I feel. Exactly. You, know I mean? you would think that because it's, like, the healthcare field that, like, there would be better More diversity. Or, exactly, you know I mean? exactly. But... Especially but yeah. since Milwaukee has a pretty high black population, the fact that 
they're being suppressed in the healthcare system is exactly. really scary. Exactly. Pretty terrifying. And even stuff like that, like I think that like my drive to go to medical school has always been like further fueled by learning more. Like mm-hmm. learning that Wanting black to be people educated. are, you know, like less less likely to be alive after they go to the hospital, you know what I mean? Just like it's another reason why I want to be present there is yeah. to hopefully like be able to vouch for other people right. or just do a better job at making sure that people are safe and healthy. Yeah. Getting the care that they need. So then how was going through school? Like what did you have any adversity do you feel like going through med school? Um or well undergrad I guess. Yeah. Um I think that my biggest adversities have been just like my family's socioeconomic stance mm-hmm. you know what I mean like it's actually paying for the school mm-hmm. um and that's like a whole nother issue is like yeah. why education should be free yeah I just had like a lot of financial stress in school mm-hmm. like how am I gonna take care of myself like I had like three jobs at one point and going to school full-time wow. it's just very scary there's a lot of pressure to succeed and like actually make it through so that like all the loans are worth it it's just there's a lot of stress behind it that it it's really unfortunate right and And I'm sure that does deter a lot of people of color to go to school exactly even if they want to be a doctor like it probably discourages them exactly because if you think about it like the road to becoming a doctor there's four years undergrad there's four years of medical school and if you want to specialize that's usually like another four years Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't realize like right out of medical school medical school you're not making doctor money like right those four years that you're specializing like say that you want to be like a pediatrician that's like four to six years I think but you're getting paid the same salary as a teacher for those four wow. to six years out of medical Are you school yeah I did not know mm-hmm. that like during your residency or whatever you get paid like you're a teacher wow and you have like hundreds of thousand dollars in loans and stuff like that so a lot of people that's very unrealistic because not only do you have to make it through like eight to ten years of school and have someone support you because you can't work during medical school you need someone to support you yeah so in order to get that far you need someone taking care of you whether that's like your parents or like a spouse and then after that you still need someone to take care of you because you're not making any money wow so it's not a very doable road for someone that comes from a lower socioeconomic stance, which unfortunately a lot of people of color do. Right. Especially for somebody who's trying to make a difference too. Like how are we supposed exactly. to see a difference if they're literally, the odds are against them. Exactly. The only way that like you really can is if you just take out like a shitload of loans. Right. Which but isn't then always realistic. Debt. Exactly. That's and crazy. then... A lot of times it's difficult to get loans because, like, if you are coming from a lower socioeconomic stance, like, your parents probably have bad credit, so, like... You have less of a chance to get accepted. Exactly. So, there's just a lot of barriers between it that kind of make the whole system a little bit worse. Yeah. And I saw that a lot, too, working in the bank, like, and working in a predominantly black neighborhood, too. Um, It was so sad to see the amount of poverty in that neighborhood in Milwaukee and how separated from like the better parts of the community they are purposely and it's so sad like and them coming in there for loans and then being denied and them not knowing what they're gonna do because they have children and like a house to pay and a car payment you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like and those are just like 
pretty normal needs for somebody or pretty basic needs for somebody so the fact mm-hmm. that they can't even get them met and it's not even their fault is really sad exactly it's really sad it's all really overwhelming when you think about it it is sometimes. and then it's, it's like, like, <laughs> like when we started talking about this too it's like we don't realize how connected everything is exactly. like it's literally so suppressing to people that want to go to school and then everything is against them Literally. you know what I mean like how are they supposed to get out of that when they can't even go to school because they can't get accepted for a loan exactly. you know what I mean like and that doesn't even go into everything exactly you know? there's so many layers to it there's so many things you have to like kind of like jump through to make it yeah and I feel like a lot of people don't see that there's like different starting points for everyone right and from so. being being in a white family too like from being from a white family we never I never learned about that and you know it's something that I've had to constantly educate myself on and realize how much privilege I had too Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's just it's really sad that even like white families like we don't realize that it happens and I think that's why it's so like easy for people to ignore it right because they don't even allow themselves to think about it exactly and then since they don't think about it they don't educate their children exactly and it's just this ever-evolving like generational thing that exactly. keeps happening because exactly. everybody's just like acting like it's not happening mm-hmm. so I think that's why it's so important to have a lot of people around you that don't have the same like experiences as you I agree you know I agree. so they can I've been very blessed I feel like to have so many different friends from different cultures from different backgrounds Mm -hmm. and being able to see it firsthand and just like learn and educate myself constantly Mm -hmm. it's really something that I feel like everybody needs to do exactly at least even looking on the internet like that's the one good thing is that we have so much access to so much stuff exactly if you're staying ignorant like it's really a choice at this point it is it is it's to your own benefit if you have other people around right. you that are different and yeah can offer you something a different perspective and whatnot and that's what's hard about being in such a segregated city though like yeah I feel like we got lucky but there's some people who it's like there's literally like you could go to each side of town and it's just like different races just like mm-hmm. clumped in even different that areas. was like so intentional that's like um I almost said environmental racism I think it is <laughs> environmental racism too like the black and brown communities like were put in certain places that like I don't even know there's like, like corners in city exactly where like they have access to nothing exactly like exactly. if you go upstate Wisconsin mm-hmm. you will probably never even see a black person Mm-mm. like because well and I, I mean, feel bad for them if they're there right to be honest <laughs> like it, but that's the sad thing too like with with Zay like I have to think about that too. Like we can't just move anywhere. Like yeah. I would have so much anxiety if he if we lived like in the middle like of up north Wisconsin. Yeah. And he were to just even be out to the grocery store, like I would have anxiety. I wouldn't yeah. let him go anywhere by himself. Yeah. It's and that's safe. a problem in its own. Like when yeah. we have children and stuff like that. Like just the fact that I'm gonna have to worry just because he's not white. Like yeah. that's crazy. And you also have to worry about like if you guys ever were to have kids, like what kind of environment they're around. Exactly. Like you don't want them kind of soaking in a lot of self hatred when they're young. I don't so want them to grow work. up here. Yeah, for sure. I don't want them to grow up here. <laughs> we're moving out of country for that. <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Julie. Yeah, thanks for this. We gotta do this again. <laughs> <laughs>